Welcome to Are You Up Babes. I hope that you're warm. Maybe you have a blanket around you and a hot cup of coffee or tea as we study the Word of God together. You know, the Bible tells us that God's mercies are new every single morning. That is quite a phenomenal thing. What does that mean? That God every single day has new mercies for us. Now, the word new means fresh. God has fresh mercies for us every single day. It means a new thing. God has a new thing, which for me is very comforting because if you look at our daily lives, I just look at what's been going on recently in people's lives. All over the show, there's difficult times, there's challenges. But now the Bible tells us, regardless of what happened yesterday, as we wake up this morning, God's mercies are new. He's doing a new thing today. It doesn't matter the report we got yesterday. It doesn't matter the struggle yesterday, the challenge we had yesterday. As we wake up this morning, God is doing a new thing. That is very encouraging and very beautiful for me. And then it's God is rebuilding. And I love that because rebuilding means it's it's new, it's fresh, it's stronger, it's better. And, you know, if you look at anything that's rebuilt, whether it's something that's redone in the house or a building in a city that's rebuilt, it's beautiful. Everyone comments as they go past. It is a testimony of, wow, this is amazing. Do you remember the old, but look at the new? And so this is what God is doing every day. He's giving us a new testimony. He's giving us a wow story for today. His mercies are new every single morning, which I think is incredibly beautiful. No matter what happened yesterday, no matter what happened in our relationships, what happened in the struggle in our faith, what happened in a report we received or a difficult day where you maybe went, oh, that was a horrible day. Today is not yesterday. It's a new day and his mercies are new every single morning. And Hebrews 4.16 tells us that we can come and approach the throne of God with confidence. I love that. We can come before God with confidence. We can come before him not fearful, not doubting, not questioning. But no matter the situation, we come before God with confidence. Why? Because we believe him, because we trust him, because we stand on his word, because we know the power of the cross and the blood of Jesus. We can't confidently come to him, no matter the situation, no matter the struggle, confidently, you come to someone confidently when you know they are able to fix the problem. And we come to God confidently knowing not only is he able to fix the problem, but he's for us, he's with us, he's in us, he'll protect us, he's behind us, he's alpha, he's omega, beginning the end, he knows everything and we can approach him from that perspective. And so we come before his throne in confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace. This is what Hebrews 4.16 says. We can approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Now let's look at the word mercy and grace. Mercy means compassion and kindness, even though the person that's giving compassion and kindness is able to actually instead give punishment. They don't punish. They have the power to punish, but they don't. They give compassion and kindness to relieve us of our suffering. And doesn't that sound exactly like God? That's exactly what he does. He comes to relieve us of our suffering. He comes with new mercies every day. And the word grace is not deserved. We we actually receive something that is not deserved and it's freely given. That is grace. Now, we mustn't approach the cross 
and the throne entitled. You better, you must, why wouldn't you? That's an entitled mentality. We don't come with an entitled mentality. We come to God knowing with confidence that he's a good God, that we can stand on his promises because we received all of that at the cross. I'm going to share testimony with you, but I'm going to give you just sort of a few details. If you want to hear all the gory details, you can go and watch the Sibs where they actually tell you the whole story of how Kayla actually broke the bridge of her nose. But literally, we were going into a woman's encounter and the talk um, that we had a few weeks ago on image bearer was actually at that encounter. And what had happened was it was like two minutes to go. She was coming backstage to get ready to step onto the stage for worship. And someone ran into her. It was a complete accident, but the collision was quite bad and hurt her eyes. Both eyes were black. And then nine days later, we actually discovered the bridge of her nose had been broken. And so incredible pain. The doctor had said to her, you can go and see an ENT, which is an ears, nose and throat doctor. And he can actually break the bone, refresh it as they call it and stick something up to straighten the nose. But he said this to her, it will change your voice and it will change the way you hear. Now Kayla's job, part of her job is sound engineering. It's very important that she hears very correctly and she has an incredible ear. She hears things I don't hear. Sasha and I'll often be sitting somewhere or speaking about something and Kayla will say, can you hear that? And I'm still going, I can't hear that, but they can hear it. Just a funny story, we have heaters in our church, gas heaters, and apparently they have a very high-pitched ring, and we've never heard it. I don't know if you're aware, older people can't hear very high-pitched sounds, but both Kayla and Sashi were saying how the noise was irritating them during the service. Well, Gavin and I sat in ignorant bliss. We couldn't hear any of the the high-pitched sound. But anyway, back to my story. And so, you know, when he told her that, that was quite traumatizing for her because she sings and she does sound engineering. We asked if it was necessary and he actually told us he'd broken his nose three times. He's never been to an ENT. He's never had work done on his nose and he was fine. And so we decided we were not going to do anything, but the pain was so bad and everything was so swollen and I just said to Kayla, you know, God is able to restore all of that. He's able to fix it as though it's never been broken before. In fact, God is actually able, when God does a healing work, he's able to heal it even better than it was before. So let's pray. I said to her, let's pray that God would actually fix and heal it, that it's even better than it was before. Because really, God is able to do that. And so I know I began to pray that and she began to pray that. And this time, instead of coming to God with uncertainty and fear of, is there something else wrong? We now knew what was wrong and we were able to come to him confidently and ask him to do this miraculous and healing work in her nose. And really, as I look at her, I don't see any bends, any twists and really believe God is going. That will be her testimony of God fixing that perfectly for her. But, you know, I've spoken to many people and when they go through traumatic times, when they hear a report from a doctor that literally knocks the wind out of their sails, they're like, oh my goodness, I was speaking to someone and she said to me, I'm not even able to pray. And you know, this is the wonderful thing about when we pray for one another. Because when we are not able to pray, in that moment where we literally feel like the wind has come out of ourselves, we 
who can't breathe. Other people are able to lift us up. Other people are able to intercede for us, which I think is so beautiful. Just in that moment where you, oh my goodness, Lord, and you before God in whatever perplexity or stillness or shock, other people are praying. But can I tell you what's even better than that? The Bible tells us that Jesus is seated at the right hand side of the Father and he's doing something. He's interceding on our behalf. How incredible is that? Jesus Christ is interceding on our behalf. Can I tell you something else that's phenomenal? The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. The Holy Spirit. Now, you've got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and two of them are two who are three are one. It shows us the heart of God, that God actually wants the best for us, that God is actually working all things together for our good, and we are being lifted up before him in his throne room all of the time. That is mercy and that is grace, undeserved, but we can come before him confidently as a result. And the Bible tells us without faith, it is impossible to please God. And I really want to encourage us, you know, sometimes the wind comes up and we, for a moment, we we are a bit dazzled. We're not good dazzled, bad dazzled, like a deer caught in the headlights. And when that happens, the deer freezes, it goes into complete panic. When that happens, we can know that God is there. He's with us. He's not abandoned us. But when we come out of that startled stage, we must remember that without faith, it is impossible to please God and that we can come confidently before his throne. So today I thought I would just speak a little bit about the word grace because God gives that so freely to us. Perhaps We can look at how we can give grace. If we're made in the image of Christ, we're image bearers. We need to look at how we can give that grace out to others, that in our worlds we can make a difference as God gives us grace every day, that as his mercies are new every day, we can actually go into a world where people are like a deer in their headlights, dazzled, shocked, startled, and we can begin to hand out grace. And one of the ways is with words, kind words, gentle words. You know, so many people are rude. They respond in rudeness. Their instant reaction to people is defense or offense. Their instant reaction to people is to pounce on them like a lion instead of listening and responding with a gentle word or with a kind word. Proverbs 15 verse 1 says, harsh words stir up anger. And that's really true. Think of conversations where someone says something and perhaps you respond with harsh words and then a fight breaks out. Harsh words stir up anger. There's no mercy. There's no grace in harsh words. But it tells us that a gentle answer turns wrath away. And and that's, you know, as parents, as grandparents, as wives, as mothers, as children, we have to learn how to answer in a gentle manner. Maybe it's something we've never considered. We need to understand that's grace when we are able to do that. Another way is everyday kindness and actions. So we do kind actions and A couple of ways we can do that. Think of this, where you hold the door open for someone. You walk out of the lift and you hold the lift while everyone else walks out of the lift. Or you walk through a door and you hold it for everyone else to come through. 
What about writing a thank you note or perhaps texting a thank you note or an encouraging message? And, you know, we went to a funeral this week of someone that we have known most of our lives. And my mom-in-law wrote a eulogy, a tribute to the person that passed away. They were friends of my parents-in-law in the ministry for many, many decades. A phenomenal man. And my mom-in-law shared the most beautiful tribute, the most beautiful eulogy, speaking of how he had helped them in ministry and what he had done, but absolutely beautifully shared. And I know the family was very moved. Afterwards, I said to her, that was incredibly beautiful. That was such a beautiful tribute. And I know that it would have meant a lot to the family. And my mom-in-law's answer was this. She said, I prayed, I spent time praying and asking God what I could say. That is phenomenal that even what we share about someone, we can bring before the Lord and we can ask God that the words that we share would be uplifting and kind, that God would bring to memory things for us to share that would help other people in their world, that would be encouraging and kind. What a testimony. It spoke so much to me. Flowers, giving people flowers, giving someone flowers or possibly babysitting for someone. Sure, that's a big one that you can just say, hey, I can babysit for you. Go. What about picking up the trash? What about picking up the trash in your street? That is a kind act. Donating clothes is a kind act. Giving an anonymous gift. And you know, so many times we can be entitled to think I want the gift or I want the clothes or I want, I want. That's entitlement. Stop thinking about what you want and actually start thinking about other people and how you can be a blessing to other people. What about actually just showing kindness through saying hello or thank you or please? That's, that's an act of kindness and doing someone else's chores. Yes. Do some chores for your brother or your sister. And I know what you're thinking. I'm not because then they're going to think I must always do it. No, do it as an act of kindness. Do it as an act of kindness to show them you love them and stop worrying about all the other stuff. Don't be entitled. To be entitled is not godly. Where you think you deserve, where you think you must have, it's not a godly action because Jesus actually put the towel around his waist and washed his disciples' feet and taught us to be a servant. Another way that we can show grace is to let it go, to stop hanging on to all of that stuff and to let it go. Proverbs 20 verse 3 says, A fool shows his annoyance at once. Oh, I read this verse and I was like, oops, that's me. I can show my annoyance. There's times when Gavin annoys me and I show him my annoyance. Because why? It's a familiar relationship and I think it's quite fine if I show him that I'm annoyed. He's now annoyed me. And he doesn't have to do much to annoy me. And I was like, oh my goodness, he's probably watching this right now and sending a comment, but the point is a fool shows his annoyance at once. There's no hesitation. There's no fruit of the spirit, but a prudent man overlooks an insult. I think that's really, you know, we need to let it go. We need to let things go. Another way is to be there. Just be there. You know that your presence sometimes is all that is needed to show someone that you care. Just be there. 
Another way is to forgive and do it graciously. Forgive someone. Sometimes skip the lecture. I'm not talking about a parent where the child's been naughty and you need to teach them what they've done is wrong, but also forgive. Don't hold on to things. Don't hold on to bitterness. Actually forgive graciously. Another way is to learn to ask for forgiveness. You know, sometimes we do something and what we're doing is correct. What we're trying to teach or what we said is correct, but the way we said it was incorrect. And then we need to apologize and actually ask the person to forgive us. There's humility in saying, hey, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I was trying to teach you this, but I got too angry and I'm really sorry. Learn to ask for forgiveness. Another way is to watch the way you speak. Watch the way you speak to people. Actually, use words of kindness and encouragement. Don't criticize people. Don't laugh at people. I don't understand when someone has to laugh and then contact the person to tell them how much they laughed at them to make a person feel like an idiot. Don't do that. That's not kind. Don't make a person feel bad when something nice happens to someone else. Don't say something to put a damper on their situation to make them feel bad because you just can't share their celebration with them. The Bible says, be happy with those that celebrate and weep with those that grieve. And so be happy with someone that celebrates. Don't put a dampener on their celebration with your nasty words. And then the last one we're going to look at is take an interest in others. Learn about other people. Listen, care, and ask. I was at the doctor's rooms with one of my daughters this past week. And while they were in, I was sitting in the waiting room with a young 16-year-old guy. He was lovely. And he proceeded to tell me about his athletics. He told me about the procedure he was coming in for. He told me about the food he likes. He told me about his family. I knew his brothers and his mom and dad after that. He told me about his matric dance. He just spoke and spoke and spoke and spoke and spoke and spoke and spoke. And I asked a few questions. I encouraged him once or twice when he spoke about not being good enough, etc. But you know what? Sometimes that's all we need to do to be kind is to sit and listen to someone. They just want someone who wants to talk to them. Our problem is, and I can be a bit like that, I'm busy. I've got stuff to do and I can't listen to you for an hour and a half. And that's not kind. I know we're all busy, but let's just actually listen to people ask questions, even if we can't be with them for a long time. Just engage. Let them know they're good enough, they're special enough for you to want to hear, to listen. And just remember that we're rebuilding people's lives. That's what new means, that God gives us new mercies every day. He rebuilds us so we can rebuild others. And to rebuild means we've got to put the, the past behind us, the regret the shame, the pain needs to be behind us. It's our former life. Paul spoke about our former life and he doesn't think about his former life because it's in the past. You know, many times I hear of Miss Worlds or Miss Universes and they say, I was former Miss Universe and they say the year. 
And it's so important for them to live in that past because that was their big moment. Paul is saying, don't live in your past. Every day is your big moment when you're living your life for Christ. Forget about the past. You see, that for them was a special moment. It was a highlight in their lives. But we live in our past with not special moments. We live in our past with shame and pain and regret. Every relationship going forward is affected because of how that guy treated us, how that guy hurt us, how that person stabbed us in the back, how that person lied to us, how that person lied about us. So our whole future is affected. Every relationship we have, every friendship we have is affected because I can't trust you because of the way that person treated me. No, you need to ask God to deliver you from the ties of that relationship. He needs to deliver you, which means you need to bring that relationship before God and lay it down at his feet and say to him, Lord, I need you to deliver me from the ties of this relationship so that I can actually move forward without the remembrance of the past, without the shame, without the pain, without the regret, without the hurt. Father God, if your mercies are new every morning, you've rebuilt me. I don't have to live in that past anymore. And we can ask God to deliver us from that hurt. But in closing, how do we receive God's mercy? The very first way is we admit our sinfulness. We come before God and we say, Lord, I am a sinner. I have messed up. I have made so many mistakes. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to help me to become a new person, a new creation in you. I ask you to forgive me of all the mess ups. Father, I've done this and I've done that. I have hurt people. I have lied. I have rejected. Forgive me, Father God. I confess my sins before you and I receive you as Lord and Savior. I receive your mercy. And as you receive that mercy, give it out. As you go into your world, give it out and then worship God only. And that's important that I say that as you receive mercy from God, you need to worship God only. When you're filled with fear, run to God only. When you are worried about your provision, your finances, run to God only. Get into his presence. When you're worried about your health or someone else's health, get into the presence of God. It's when you come out of his presence that you are rebuilt. And when you are rebuilt, you can rebuild others. You look at Jesus, he had encounters with people, Lazarus, the Samaritan woman, wherever he went, just encounters with people. He never spent time with those people again after that moment, Lazarus by the tree and then at his house. But they were forever changed because Jesus rebuilt their lives. The generations that came forth from them were forever changed because of the mercy of God over their lives. And I really want to encourage us, receive the mercy of God and give the mercy of God so that as he's rebuilt us, we can rebuild others. And you know, God's mercy is new every day. He's rebuilding us every single day. He's strengthening us more every single day. His blood cleanses us more every single day. As he does it for us, let's do it for others. Can we do that? Can we show people the mercy of God evident in our lives because of what he's done for us? 
And so we're going to pray together. Father, thank you for this time where we can study your word. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Father, we come to your throne boldly, confidently, Father God, lifting up the situations of our life. Thankful that we can come to you and you alone. You will never leave us nor forsake us. You will make a way where there seems to be no way. We come to you, Father, asking you to rebuild, to make new. We thank you, Father God, that every day, We have a fresh start, a new way. It doesn't matter what the report was or the situation yesterday. Today it's new and you will make a way. And I pray, Father, that you would help us to give out mercy where we haven't before, to give out kindness and encouragement. Holy Spirit, show us, quicken us as we see people to be kind, to open that door, to say an encouraging word, to offer our help. Help us to be like Jesus, that when we leave people, they are forever changed, that they encourage answer Jesus because of the time they spent with us. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Go and be a blessing to someone today. I hope you have a wonderful day. God bless.